we ultimately do view Uber Air and, and urban air mobility as kind of the next step of transportation. Welcome to Inside Unmanned Systems Drone Beat, where the best minds in the drone world come to engage. I'm Richard Fisher, publisher at Inside Unmanned Systems, coming to you live from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., with your hosts, Sean Bullard and James Poss. Hello, I'm Sean Bullard. And I'm James Poss. Together, we are Inside Unmanned Systems Drone Beat. All right, Sean, what are we covering this episode? Okay, James, we're covering urban air mobility from an integrator's perspective, or as today's guest might say, Uber air mobility. Yeah, well, I'll have to admit our last three series were a bit policy heavy, but yes, indeed. this series is way cool. I mean, who doesn't want drone sky taxis? I mean, if George Jetson gets to ride around in a flying car, why not guys like us? Absolutely. I mean, even the timeline might sync up with the Jetsons. Here's an insignificant fact for you. In what year do you think the Jetsons took place? Give up. It was, it was 2062. I have just won the next five rounds of Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> yes. Where'd you find that? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But as my wife hands. says, I'm full of insignificant facts. Yeah, okay. um, with folks like our next speaker running aviation policy after she, um, after she just got off a, a conference, a big conference here in D.C., I'm sure that they are easily going to beat George Jetson, Jetson to the punch. Yeah. Okay. I agree. But of course, George Jetson could operate a sky taxi to a certain extent, but I'll bet it was a you know assisted autonomy. And we all know that he was a terrible businessman, and I'm not sure he's so great as a pilot. But the degree of autonomy in our, our sky taxis is going to be a key point. Sean, can you tell us who we have today to explain all of the big urban air mobility issues of the day? Yes, I can. We've got one of the best in the business with us, fresh from her Urban Air Mobility Conference just down the street from us here at the National Press Club. How about a big drone beat? Welcome to Kate Frazier, Head of Aviation Policy for Uber Elevate. Kate, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, welcome to Drone Beat, Kate. Okay. Now, before we start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? What got you into drones? And for all your listeners, I'll, I'll have to admit the following is a paid announcement for higher learning. Is it true that you have degrees from not one, but two Assure schools, <laughs> Kansas State and Embry-Riddle. Does that, does that, that give is, you drone That loyalty? is true. Oh, yeah, okay, absolutely. I go. will say, though, I am a, I am a piloted airplane person by nature. So I've kind of fallen into the drone industry a bit, but I've really, really enjoyed it. So I, I flight instructed for Kansas State, flew for them a little bit. Oh, wow. Um, got oh. my master's from Embry-Riddle in human factors and then decided to work for Uber, which of course, has both urban air mobility and drones. And now I've, I'm doing policy for both, but really learning to, to love the drone side of things, certainly. I did not know you were a flight instructor. Yes. I mean, you oh, seem so I, nice, I but that. there's yeah. a mind side to I you, too, that. isn't it? Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I knew that. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to then ask, okay, can you can you kind of start with the basics here on, on, can you give us a kind of a short elevator ride on how you and Uber kind of attend, intend to turn Uber Elevate into a seamless manned and unmanned yeah. aviation kind of ground intermodal transportation yep. network? Absolutely. Well, so the really cool thing is that you can actually 
test this out right now. We announced yesterday, or two days ago, I should say, our Ubercopter, which is the first actual test of the Uber Elevate platform. It's I a full there. multimodal wait, experience. Wait, wait, wait. We can do that now? Yeah, really? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so in New York. the cool stuff. <laughs> but you have to be a diamond uh, member of Uber, yes. which means that you have to be using Uber a lot. But I, I would strongly encourage it. <laughs> wait, what? How many, uh, how how many, many diamonds do you have, do you have to, to have to fly the Ubercopter? Ooh, you know, yeah, look at I'm your pulling, app. Pulling um, well, we're getting right. really way off script yeah. here. No, no, no. I hate to admit that I, I am here. a Diamond member. I do take Uber probably about multiple times a day. But going back to Ubercopter, um, you can actually take it from downtown to the airport. It's a full multimodal trip. So when you go to book it, it'll give you everything end to end. So your UberX to the helipad, take the helicopter, take it to JFK, and then you'll actually get transportation from where you land at the airport over to the terminal. So the first time that Uber's ever offered a full multimodal experience. And that's wow. that's a big part of what Elevate's doing. We realize that, that a partnership-based approach is ultimately what's required for success from our end. We're really, really good at the application side. We understand data. We understand how people need to move about cities. So we recognize that, that enlisting kind of some of the best manufacturers out there to develop these aircraft is key to success. Okay, so okay, we've got whoa, to follow whoa, up. Whoa, whoa. No, no, I know our audience is worrying. I am gold status, so I'm close, man. Just keep uh, using it. Okay, right, okay. Right, so is right. this expensive? No. No, Ubercopter actually is um, just by using pooling concept. So just like you do with an Uber pool, you're not the only one in the helicopter. You're sharing it with a few of your close friends. Um, but that actually brings down the price pretty substantially to about $200 per trip. Um, and now, obviously, once once we get on the platform of Uber Air, which is utilizing the eVTOL aircraft, we're looking at a substantially cheaper option. Well, but it seems like you get to practice a lot of the harder stuff yep. with this, you know, where you're you're operating from a lot of rooftops in the area and you're integrating with your Uber rideshare and all that. Is that is that why you're doing it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great um, opportunity to test out this, the product from our side. Okay, Kate. So can you tell us a little bit how your cloud services will be incorporated into the Uber copter Yeah, scenario. Yeah. So the, the Elevate cloud service is actually our UTM system. So we are developing our own airspace management system that not only works to, to control the aircraft um, once they're flying, but also everything, the way that it ties into the application, the way that we communicate with our pilots. Um, it really is kind of a comprehensive management system for the Uber Air platform. And so, and so, how will that system work to help you get to the point where you're going unmanned? Yep, it's a, it's a necessary part. So ultimately, to get this service scaled to the extent that we need it to be, which is to say thousands of flights a day, um, we have to have an unmanned traffic management system. We just, you know, human human uh, air traffic controllers. There's not enough. They can't don't have the capacity to do it. Um, so in order to, to again to get to that that level, we have to have an unmanned system, um, and it's like goes both ways. It's both on the air traffic control side as well as the pilot side. But we're, in our opinion, we're still years away from having having the unmanned side of, of UAM. Okay, so I've got to follow up because as a participant in Uber Elevate here in Washington D.C., you covered so many different areas. I mean, this was a broad brush mm -hmm. approach over the last few days. It was Uber Eats using drones. It was partnering with McDonald's. It was partnering with other 
um, manufacturers, aircraft manufacturers. I mean, how do you take so many different components that you are focusing on well beyond Ubercopter mm-hmm. and 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 achieve that single goal, holy grail, which is flying people autonomously in the NAS? Yeah, well, so so the drone service is a really good point, and and we do see this as an essential kind of step um, towards our eventual Uber Air product. Um, we think it's it not only teaches us a lot about what we can do on the for elevate cloud services and the UTM um, UAS traffic management side, um, but it also it's it's a necessary step in terms of working with the FAA, working towards our Part One Thirty Five certification. Um, so the more that we can develop the products, it all kind of streams together. Ubercopters developing certain areas of the Uber Air product, the drone services as well, and eventually they all stream into a, eventually an autonomous UAM product. Okay, so you said something significant there. Mm-hmm. So you are shooting for Part One Thirty Five. Yes. Certification. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. How, how confident are you that you're going to be able to get that? When you, when Very you confident. Really? Yeah. Even when you're fully yep. out? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Did we, did we get that on tape? We did. Okay. <laughs> we did. We got her. So what's, what's your target clientele? I mean, are you going for the city to city traveler, going from downtown to the airport, soccer moms and dads walking out their front door to go right. to the soccer game? Who, who are you really after when you when you go fully autonomous? Yeah. No, I mean, ultimately, the Uber Air product is a product for everyone, um, right. but everyone in the urban environment. We have to always be clear about that, that our goal is to focus on the urban environment. Why urban? I mean... You know, if, when you look at demand modeling, that's that's where the need mm-hmm. is. Um, and we were talking about a, a little bit at the summit about just the amount of people that will reside in urban areas um, over the next 20, 30, 40 mm-hmm. years. Um, and it's it's the vast majority of the world's population will be in the urban environment. And existing infrastructure just can't sustain that kind of growth. So therefore, we, we ultimately do view or Uber Air and, and urban air mobility as kind of the next step of transportation. I got to tell you, that is the exact opposite of the rest of the drone world. Everybody else is wanting to start out with agricultural stuff, mm-hmm. no people under them. I mean, I, I is... It seems like that's a really big step that you're going to start with Absolutely. operations over lots yeah. of people first. Yeah. I mean, no, it's definitely a different approach. Um, but we think meaningful tests in the actual environments is an important step towards getting public acceptance, showing the necessity of the product, showing that it's safe and viable and useful. And I think that's just a really important part of it. Now, we're not going to fly aircraft that are not safe over the urban right, environment. Right, right. We will absolutely make sure that, I mean, these aircraft will be certified. They will be safe. Um, but that's, yeah, we, we think the urban environment is is a crucial part of this product. So could you also talk about, as I was at the conference, I noticed that there were different types of um, almost like different nodes mm-hmm. uh, within Uber where there's different groups who are working on certain scenarios that have to deal with small UAS with operations under 400 feet, then larger operations with larger aircraft that may be manned and unmanned. It, are, is Uber almost biting off? I mean, is it? Is it? Is I mean, it seems like such a large elephant that Uber is attempting to. I mean, when when James talks about complexity of airspace, um, you're actually going at the heart of mm-hmm. complexity for not only manned flight, but also unmanned flight. Right. And then also well, the lower than 400 feet. walk run scenario, yeah. though. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, it, it's not something that we envision having fully autonomous aircraft right. tomorrow, right. Right. fully integrated into the airspace. It, it is absolutely a crawl, walk, run approach where we will, you know, start with a couple of routes. Um, we're still communicating with air traffic control. 
fully piloted and, and expand from there. So I, I'm very adamant that, again, we were talking about this with Ubercopter and with drones, that all of these various work streams tie in together and ultimately create this Uber Air product one day. But um, there is a lot to ha- going on, but we, we've we hired kind of the best in the business. Um, Dr. Tom Prevo, who leads our airspace team, is, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and he's the reason why we're, we're kind of solving that piece of the puzzle for sure. Okay, I'm going to get out of aviation here a little bit and talk ground level infrastructure. Takes a lot of infrastructure. That's what I've heard Mm -hmm. the last couple of days. Infrastructure, infrastructure came up almost in every scenario. What are yep. we going to do here? Yeah, that's a, that's a key part of this. So, so what is the infrastructure? Yeah. About well, that? that's why we have Kate here. She's going to tell us. <laughs> so just like we we kind of recognize that um, we're not the people to be building aircraft, we're also not the, pe- the people to really be building in the infrastructure side. So we're also partnering with really fantastic real estate developers. Um, we also announced our... Um, uh, partnership with Signature. So even from the the flight support side, the FBO side, we have really fantastic partners there. Um, so we're really confident that we've got a really good team together to start building this infrastructure in our, our three respective launch cities of Los Angeles, um, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Melbourne, Australia, which was also announced yesterday. Um, so in terms of solving the infrastructure piece, we're we're working very diligently on that. It, it kind of goes back to the crawl, walk, run approach where we're mm-hmm. not going to have some massive um, building that, that can accommodate thousands of flights a day. But we will start with like a parking structure. Um, we do think that that's a really good opportunity to kind of build on top of a, a structure that is maybe underutilized at this point, partly Thanks to, to companies like Uber and ride sharing, um, <laughs> but we can we can kind of build off of that and start to accommodate this this oh, new. Wow. So uh, you're talking service. about a multi-story yep. parking structure. Yeah. The top story yeah. would, would be a, an Uber. What are you going to call these things? Drone dome. Skyport, actually. Skyport. Yeah. Like Skyport. Skyport. Drone dome. Uh, okay. Never mind. Skyport. <laughs> you know what? We okay. need to copyright Skyport no, right now. That's right. Yeah. No, drone dome. Yeah. I think we might have it. I don't know. We'll have to well, look. You know what? After the show, we're going to go. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll both go get on our laptops really quickly. Yeah. So, Kate, can you tell us, like, how will other cities be able to have a bite at that apple? Yeah, well, it, it please put New Orleans way up there, especially yeah. during Mardi Gras. That's my only favor. I'm I um, I will say I have a lot of cities who reach out to me pretty frequently. Uh, they're very interested in this product. So um, one quick note, I don't know, um, this kind of got some coverage about our, our decision for Melbourne, Australia, uh, was that we were looking at five countries outside of the United States. Uh, in addition to the United States, I should say. So Australia, Brazil, France, India, and Japan. Um, it should note, so in addition to other cities in the United States, we are absolutely planning to launch in all five of those countries. Um, Very good. Yeah. But in terms of, of cities here in the U.S., um, there's a lot There's a lot of great places that we could launch. I will say Miami calls me pretty regularly. Everyone always recommends Atlanta. Um, so I think I, there's a couple of key factors. <laughs> yeah. 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 One city that's completely <laughs> exactly. gridlocked for a whole month from Mardi Gras. Exactly. It's only New Orleans. Yeah, and New Orleans. That's why everybody bypasses Atlanta on the way up the East Coast. I I don't think we could put a Skyport, though, in the French Quarter. I don't don't think an Uber um, pilot (laughs) is going to want to deal with that. We could put one in Audubon Zoo uptown. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. No, I think so. We are working with other cities um, because, again, this is not a product that is it going to be located in three. We intend to have it all over the world at some point. Um, but it's a, it's a great opportunity to learn from from our three launch cities and start to put together kind of information and and really data and a test case and, and be able to go to these other cities and say, 
how does this work for you? How, how can we well, make this a collaborative relationship? Yeah, but that's a good point. So you, you talked a lot about public acceptance. Uh-huh. I mean, don't you have an equally big problem with, uh, you know, government acceptance of the various localities? And, yeah, of course. how afraid are you? I mean, I, I know the FAA will tell you they've got federal preemption and they cover everything, but that's not completely true. They don't. Well, and they don't, you know, look at zoning laws and, exactly. and things like that exactly. and, and noise ordinances, noise ordinances. That's a hard word to say. Um, but there's there's a lot of issues at the local level that we have to tackle. Mm-hmm. And we're, we've are we been partnering with our, our launch city since day one and going in there and having these meetings and saying, what, you know, how do we do this with you? Um, I'm very adamant, uh, especially since I came on about nine months ago, that, that this is not a a traditional Uber engagement model that we we don't just show up and say, here's mm-hmm. your product, that we we partner with them from day one so that we can collaboratively solve issues like noise and like zoning and make sure, I've said it a few times, but this product has to best serve the community. Well, I mean, how do you physically scale up? I mean, let, let's say you meet with catastrophic success and mm-hmm. you've got, you know, 50 cities in the U.S. alone. It seems like you're going to have to manufacture aircraft for this. I mean, right. do you think your providers have got that kind of... Uh, Ability to yeah, quickly? that's um that's a difficult one. If you look at traditional you know aircraft numbers, bill, um, shipments and billings, it's it's not a lot. It's a couple hundred. That's a really yeah. good question. Um, so there's a lot that can be learned, honestly, from the um the automobile side uh, and their manufacturing facilities. Um, so that's there's a lot that has to be solved. And, and we talk about scaled manufacturing. That is a key component to us having a fully developed scaled product. So when you're you're Looking at your vendors out there, that's one of your key questions. You know, great design. Right. Can I go from, you know, 50 of these to, you know, 5,000? And and that's something that I think we can all kind of figure out together because mm-hmm. it's it's not something that any of our partners have the ability to do right now. They're not going to be able to produce 10,000 aircraft a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we've got some time to, to figure that one out. So when you start talking about scaling personnel up as well, I'm, a, is, I'm assuming that you're you know, when you're finally done with this thing, you're going to have uh, multi, these are going to be fully autonomous vehicles. There's mm-hmm. going to be multi-aircraft control. It's not going to be one remote pilot per aircraft. Is is that part of your scalability model? Or right. That- yeah, that's a good question. I think I don't envision a step of having a remote pilot vehicle. It's, it'll be piloted to fully autonomous. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's even the piloted side, when you're talking about workforce, there's a lot of pilots that we require. And so right. um, there's also that a lot that can be done from the whole industry side that, to kind of build this up. Wow. So that's an awful lot of stuff there. Um, I know we talked a little bit about price points Mm -hmm. and all that kind of good stuff. And right now we're talking about manned helicopters and you went into that. I mean, you know, when this thing is all said and done and we're fully autonomous Mm -hmm. and everywhere, I mean, how much is it going to cost me to go from here to DCA? Yeah, really cheap, actually. Um, We're looking at ultimately this is an affordable product. Um, So we're looking at only a couple of bucks cheaper than an Uber X to get you from downtown to the Skyport. Say that again. No way. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So why is that? How can it be cheaper than than Uber X? Um, Because there's a couple things that go into this. So first and foremost, it's a scaled product. I've said it a couple of times. We're looking at thousands of flights a day. that kind of scale does help to, and availability does make it a cheaper product. Um, also, the autonomy piece. Once we do get to fully autonomous, you're not paying for a pilot. Mm-hmm. You're not paying for mm-hmm. the, that component. That does certainly bring down the, the cost. Um, and in general, just the, these aircraft need to be manufactured in a way that 
scaled manufacturing does go into this as well. But the goal, I mean, we would not be doing this if we didn't think it was achievable. And so we've been able to do some really fantastic modeling of the price point in addition with the demand um, to get to this area where we can confidently say that it's affordable. Okay. So step me through this, Sean and I, uh, well, literally step me through my next <laughs> trip. So we're here at the National Press Club uh -huh. and I have got to get to, uh, to DCA. How physically would I do this? Am I going to have to, you know, get an Uber and ride for 15 blocks or for your Skyport? Well, so it depends. Um, you know, we we envision a, a Skyport system or a node system that is is relatively easy to get to. Um, every city is going to be a little bit different. We Again, we we have this really fantastic demand modeling um, where we can almost pinpoint one block uh, over another in terms of which is better wow. for the community. That ties into a lot of other factors. So, you know, we're looking at noise modeling, making sure that this service is not disruptive, um, as well as some other areas working with the community, zoning laws, all the all those good things. But um, in terms of, of the actual process of how this works, yeah, that's about right. You can take an, an UberX or a jump bike or transit. Uh, to the nearest Skyport, hop in your Uber Air, uh, land at, at the next Skyport, and then take transportation from there to, to your home or office. Okay, okay so I'm going to make an official plug here for okay. the National Press Club that uh, there is roof access oh, to this building, and there used to be a a a a access there where members <laughs> could actually hang out on the roof before J.W. Marriott built his hotel in front of the so I could take an press club in the Pennsylvania Avenue. So the we can go road. upstairs, go on the roof of the National Press Club, take an Uber and get to DCA okay, so it's in three be minutes. cheaper for me to take an elevator ride up from know, the press 10 club. floors yeah. than it is to take an elevator ride down and get in a regular UberX. Well, wow. so I mean, yeah, we, we envision it being, you know, very comparable. So, yeah. Way cool. Yep. I love it. I love it. So, um, you know, we're going to take a short break here for our sponsors. But when we get back, we're actually going to talk more in detail about the technologies that are going to get us where we need to go. Thank you for joining Inside Unmanned Systems Drone Beat, sponsored by Rody and Schwartz, a leader in test and measurement for radar and EW, satellite technology, avionics, navigation, and guidance. Rody and Schwartz products help protect critical infrastructures with drone detection and defense solutions. Learn more at InsideUnmannedSystems.com. Okay, Kate, uh, now that we know the basics, I'm sure you knew this question was coming. Even though you have a history with the FAA and you are an aviator and a pilot and a very good one at that, and Uber seems to know what they are doing, how on earth are you going to get the FAA to buy in to do all of this? And what exactly is the, you know, the concept here where they're going to get that, where you're going to be able to get that buy in? Yeah, um, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm actually really, really confident that the FAA is on board with all of this. We've had wow. some okay. fantastic conversations over the past several months, um, both with flight standards, with aircraft certification, with air traffic. Um, and honestly, all everyone at the FAA understands that this technology is coming and, and they're keen to make sure that they are not left behind. Um, we recognize that this product obviously has to be regulated and we want to make sure that we're doing it as safely as possible. And so we view working with the FAA and, and getting this over the line as a very collaborative process. And we've seen a lot of encouraging signs from them that they are also willing to, to work with us. Okay. So... Uh 
Why is that? Is that because you're taking the crawl, walk, run approach and we're going with something yeah. familiar with them and then going in as you think? That's I think that's definitely part difference? of it. Yeah, uh-huh. I think that's definitely part of it. And and again, this there's so many fantastic people in the industry that have been working with the FA for a long time. And I think it's just they, they do recognize that as this is kind of the next phase of aviation. And so, you know, they can either get in the way or they can actually make a difference and, and regulate these safely and efficiently. And I think we're seeing that. Wow, that is so cool. Okay, what about the other feds? Am I going to have to go through a full TSA pre-check just to hop a ride to Uber Elevate? Will I be able to take four ounces of liquid yeah. on these? How's this No, that's work? a good question. Um, we're definitely working on that. So so even the way that we'll ultimately be operationally certified, it's it's not required that we go through TSA checkpoints. But we also, again, we everything that we're doing from safety and security is really what's above and beyond of what's required of us. Um, so we're working right now with, with um, both private vendors and the government to kind of find solutions that are not overly um, restrictive. We certainly don't want to slow people down. The whole purpose of Uber Air is that people save time. Um, and by doing, you know, a TSA security line of 20 minutes sure doesn't serve that purpose. So we're looking at ways to screen pilots and uh, to really make this an easy process. Okay, Kate. So that sounds like from a security standpoint, will I be allowed to, let's use the press club building again. We go up to the top floor, we exit, we're on the roof. There's a beautiful lounge there and facilities for me to be in. Is it kind of like a small lounge where I'll pass through kind of a, a, a security uh, area where either electronically or a human will be there? Mm-hmm. But there's got to be because of you know TSA and some other security issues flying, you've got to have some type of mechanism in right. place. What does that mechanism look like today? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we're still, to be honest, we're still kind of developing that. Right. Um, we're, we're in certain sure. conversations um, with various organizations to solve that problem. But there will be, yeah, uh, there will be a solution there. We're just still figuring out what that exactly looks like. Yeah. Okay. What about other feds? Mm -hmm. I mean, do do you envision a military medevac version of this, a Coast Guard search and rescue? Not from our perspective. No, we, I mean, Uber Elevate is a transportation option for for the masses. So um, not, certainly not something that we're but kind the of, technology. I mean, yeah, the technology. Figure it out so here, from from that perspective, yeah, that's you know the manufacturers have the right to do what they want with their aircraft. Um, but from again, from our product and what we're offering, that is not on the table at this time. So, Kate, can you give us what's your biggest challenge in making all of this a reality? Yeah, there's there's a couple key things, and I think they all kind of flow into one big issue, and that's that's public acceptance. Um, that means that we have to design these aircraft to be incredibly safe. Um, our operations have to be very safe. We have to deal with noise. Um, and so I think it all boils into making sure that we're working with the communities, that that they understand that this is a product for for everyone, that it, it serves the communities, it makes life easier, it saves you time, um, that it is, it's not disruptive, it's, it's certainly quiet. I mean, we've seen some really incredible aircraft designs where the, the difference between them and a, and a helicopter or even just a, a Cessna 172 is substantial. Um, so I think it's it all kind of boils down to just making sure that we are communicating with the people that this serves. Uh, and we're starting to do that. We're working a lot with with our launch cities. Um, have been, and, and what are your launch cities? Our again? launch cities are um, Dallas-Fort Worth, Los Angeles, and Melbourne, Australia. Um, so we'll be in those three in 2023. 2023. Um, 2023. Uh, no. 2023 with autonomous vehicles? No, no, goodness, with, with piloted. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. yep. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, so will it be the piloted 
uh, a, a, a new manufacturer, like we just had Embraer X mm-hmm. again. Will it be a piloted Embraer X or will it be a piloted uh, Uber Copter? No, it'll be um, it'll be a piloted eVTOL. So okay. um, whether that's Embraer X really? or Bells or Aurora's, but we we have multiple partners because we want to make sure that in 2023 we have an aircraft flying, okay, um, and so we're confident we'll get there. Let's say that again. So you think you're going to have a, a an airworthy eVTOL, which you know electric engines, batteries, yep. and all that stuff yep. in 2023? Absolutely, that's amazing. Yeah. With a pilot, with a pilot, right? Yeah. Right. One pilot or two pilots? One pilot. One okay. pilot. And mm-hmm. then roughly how long are you going with, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure what the technical term is, but I guess kind of a pilot monitor uh-huh. on board. Yeah. When are you going to see fully un- unmanned operations? So that's, um, you know, it's it's difficult. Um, we think that the technology is is there. Uh, it's the regulations aren't. There really is no way right now to certify a completely autonomous aircraft, both from the operational side and, and from the aircraft side. So I think we have a long ways to go until until the regulators mm-hmm. have caught up in that regard. But again, that's why we're doing the crawl, walk, run approach. We want these aircraft up and flying in the next couple of years. But you're confident on the airframe certification portion, despite the electric engines? Yes. And, okay. Yep. Okay. Pretty Absolutely. Cool. All right, we're going to ask you to pull out your crystal ball. I know. And, I know. In 2023, yeah, I sure hope I'm not eating this, my words. So, no, 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 no. F- yeah. Fully autonomous. We're talking, you know, George Jetson uh-huh. kind of operations. When do you see that happening? Oh, man, that is that is a hard one. Um, goodness. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction that is completely out of the air. So let's just say 2027. 20, <sighs> Ooh, that's, that's ambitious. That's but we are ambitious. so kicking George Jetson's uh, butt. Yeah, yeah. Get till 2062. So there you go. I've got time. I've got time. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's just been great to have you. It was great to see you earlier this week at Uber Elevate here in D.C. It's just great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been great. James, so tell us, what are we covering in the next episode? Okay. In the next episode, we're going to talk about what we were just talking about. We're going to have Louis Valentini, who is the Electric Vertical Takeoff and Landing Engineering Manager for Embraer X. Uh, He's going to join us in the studio coming all the way from Brazil, and he's going to explain how he's going to get these aircraft certified by 2023. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Kate, put some pressure on today. (laughs) Well, folks, this concludes episode 14 of our Urban Air Mobility Inside Unmanned Systems Drone Beat series. I'd like to thank our guest, Kate Frazier of Uber Elevate, and wish her only the best of luck in the future. Thank you. That's a wrap for this week's edition of Inside Unmanned Systems Drone Beat. I'm Richard Fisher, publisher of Inside Unmanned Systems, saying farewell from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C.